things I do and I say every Sunday. And I know you pick up on that and you say, well, there he is again. But one of the first things I say is, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do. That's something that I, I never want to take for granted. And so what I want to say now is, if you don't have a Bible, please let me know. Because I can put one in your hand just like that. We have a surplus of Bibles here, and I want you to have a Bible. Now, everybody say, well, I've got the Bible app on my phone, and there ain't a person in here that don't have a phone, right? Yes? Well, I got the Bible app on my phone, too, if you want to know the truth. I'm going to just tell you something, though, but what I've learned over my years, there's nothing better than having the book. Amen? And if you need the book, the Bible, you let me know because we have plenty of them. And I would really love for you to have one because you've got to be in the Word to know the Word. Amen? All right. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, we'll be in the, the book of Jonah uh, in the Old Testament. We'll be in chapter 2. And so, so here's the thing. is, is It's kind of sometimes when, when I get to studying, I just to get to studying, and, and Patty tells me that I have put too much in one message. That should have been two messages. And so that's going to happen today because... Studying Jonah, I ended up with way too much stuff for Sunday morning, so it's going to be Sunday night to get the second part of that, but I'm excited about that. And if you were here last Sunday, you got the first chapter of Jonah, the first 17 verses of Jonah, we talked about that, the story of Jonah, the book of Jonah is actually only four chapters long, Uh, it's a very short book of the Bible, but it has very pertinent information, it's how God moves in the life of Jonas, how God moves in, the, in, in several people's lives throughout that story. And we're going to talk about that because that is a very important, important story, but it's very important. So if you weren't here last week, because I'm going to reference some things from last week, all these, you know, these things are recorded. We're online. You have the website, the, the app. You can go back and watch last Sunday's message and see what the first 17 verses look like. And I'm going to bring some reference back to that this morning. But this is a very important thing. I mean, it's important that we look at this word together. And then when we get started on, we're just going to stay focused on it. So the title of the message this morning is The God of Second Chances. And I made reference to that last week about God being the God of second chances. Well, let me tell you something. He's not just the God of second chances. He's the God of third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. And so it seems like some people are a little bit more difficult. Some people are what my mother used to say, hard-headed, okay, and, and, and directly related that to me. I don't know why she did that. But the thing is, is some people are a little slower to catch on, but God is very patient with us. Sometimes he disciplines us, and we're going to look at that today. But he is the God of second chances. So the book of Jonah is specifically focused on Jehovah God. And then when I saw that, I went, oh, yeah, we've just been talking about that. We're in Wednesday nights. If you've been here on Wednesday nights the last two weeks, we've been looking at the names of God. And the names of God are so important. From the very first, God used a name to identify his characteristic. He used different names through different time periods throughout the Bible. You'll see that. But each name represents a characteristic about God, and it tells us something about God. And in this particular case, it's referring to Jehovah God, and we're going to emphasize that this morning. Each of the names are important in Scripture, and they point to the characteristics of God. And when you look at that, characteristic is important. 
because it tells us something about the individual we're talking about. When you see the characteristics of, of each of us, of the characteristics of myself, when you think about when people mention my name, there's characteristics that go with my name. You're the same way, all right? The characteristics of God is what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. Now, Jehovah being one of the characteristics, it means that God is self-existing, He's self-existing and he's self-revealing, which basically what that means is he does not depend on anyone or anything for his existence. Amen? He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. He is self-existent. He is Jehovah God. Now, just think about us on the other hand. You think about people in general. We are quite the opposite of that, right? We are dependent on God. You think about the whole story of Jonah and the things that happens and that the book of Jonah, we see every part of the story is dependent on God. We see from the very beginning, Jonah is dependent on God. We see that the sailors are dependent on God. The boat is dependent on God. The sea, the waves, the wind, all this is dependent on God. Even the city of Nineveh is dependent on God. And you go all the way back, the whale or the big fish is all dependent on God. There's not one thing in that passage of Scripture. There's not one thing in the whole book of Jonah that is not dependent on God, but God himself is not dependent on anything. He's self-existent and self-revealing. Now, we know from our time together last Sunday morning that God had requested Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach a message of what? repentance, a message of change. He wanted the the people of Nineveh to change from their evil ways. He wanted them to change from their wickedness. He wanted them to change from their direction of travel that they were taking, which was completely away from God. And he wanted them to come back to him. Jonah was a preacher and a prophet. We talked about that last week. And you think a preacher and a prophet, the most important thing on his ministry should be preaching a message of what? Repentance. A message of change, showing the love of God, but showing that people should change to come back to God. That should have been a a priority in his ministry. And we know that Jonah was a faithful worker right up until he left and went the opposite direction from God. Right up until the point he stepped out of the will of God and went in a different direction. We know that he was a faithful worker, but his desire was not to, to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, God's desire was to give the people of Nineveh a second chance. He knew what was going on there. He knew the the cruelty that was taking place there, but he still wanted to give them a second chance. Let me tell you something. This is important in this message. And this is is what what the focal point of this is. You can never be too far from God. Amen? You can't think how far was, was the apostle Paul when he was Saul from God. A pretty good ways. The, the people of Nineveh was a significant ways away from God, but you can never be too far away from God. Jonah had a plan. He had a different plan. God wanted him to go to Nineveh and pre- preach the message of repentance, but, but Jonah had a different plan. You ever tried to negotiate with God and say, my plan's better than your plan? That's not a good option. I can tell you that right now. When God gives you a direction, when he gives you a plan, it's not a negotiating issue. It's not something we can debate over. It's not something that when he says, I want you in my house to worship me, what's your plans? Well, I got a different plan. Lord, I'm going to watch it on TV this week. I can stay in my pajamas. I'll watch it on TV, but I'll get just as much out of it. Let me tell you something. Here's, here's an analogy that, that I like to use. And I didn't, I didn't make this up, but I did hear it. The man told me one time, he said, if I had a grill sitting in front of me and I was cooking a steak on it, If you're here with me, you're going to smell it, 
and there's a good chance you're going to get a taste of it, amen? But if you're watching it on TV, you're neither going to smell it nor you're going to get any of it. Huh? Y'all like humor? When I heard that, I just busted out. I said, man, that's a great analogy. I like that. I'm going to use that, too. He said, okay. All right. Well, here we go. Let's keep going. All right. Jonah had a different plan. He thought that he might have a better option for God. He thought that God needed a little downtime, that maybe if he took a little time away, that maybe God would change his mind. All right. And so that's what we look at. When we study, our study ended last week, the very last verse of scripture, we saw that a big fish swallowed Jonah. And that's where we left it off last week. He was in the side of a, a big fish. Now, this morning, we're going to see the next phase of the story about Jonah, which reveals to us how Jehovah God is the God of second chances. If you were able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, starts in verse 1 with this. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the big fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the, to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up into dry land. Pray with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you could cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. And Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. One of the key points in last week's message was the fact that we're going to respond to the will of God one way or the other. There's no way around it. We will respond to the will of God either in a positive manner or in a negative manner. We're either going to, to seek to be inside of His will and respond positively, or we're going to be out of His will and respond negatively, or we're going to be reluctant to respond to His will and be like Jonah. When you were young and your mom and your dad wanted you to do something that was important, I got some moms and dads in here this morning, you think about it, when you were young and your mom and dad wanted you to do something that was important, but yet you didn't respond the way they wanted you to do, typically there was some type of discipline that took place, amen? There was some type of discipline that took place, just look at that, and yet you didn't respond and typically it was discipline that took place. When God calls you in the direction that he wants you to go and you either don't go or you're reluctant to go, typically there's some type of discipline that's going to take place. And here's what we're going to look at with Jonah this morning. Some of you may have had a, a perfect childhood growing up and there's probably some of you here, but in my household, there was a lot of discipline going on in my household when I was growing up, Amen. Y'all don't recognize any of that, do you? 
I remember it very well. God wanted Jonah, who had been a faithful servant up until this point in this event, to go to Nineveh to preach a message of repentance. He wanted him to provide an opportunity for the people of Nineveh to change their ways, to change from what they were doing. Now, two things happen between chapter 1 and chapter 2, and that's why these things tie together. When you look at both sessions, there's two things that happen. Jonah's life went from rebellion resulting in discipline. All right, he went from rebellion. He turned away from God. God had to discipline, but it turns back into repentance and dedication. Even Jonah, a man who was a preacher, a man who was a prophet, had to repent from what he was doing, and it changed back into dedication. Now, God gave Jonah a second chance and a new beginning of his life and his ministry. God was not through with Jonah. He still had a message that he wanted Jonah to take out, not just this one, but for most to come. He, he was not finished with Jonah. Now, this This story about God and Jonah reveals to us Jehovah God and how Jehovah God will go to great lengths to reach out to his people. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He calls it an attention getter. Y'all know what an attention getter is? No. This was an attention getter. He's going to get Jonah's attention. Y'all ever been, been given an attention getter? Man, let me tell you, the Bible says that God desires that one person should perish. That's one of the the best passages of Scripture in the Bible. God created us in his image, and he desires that not one of us should perish. He desires that every one of us should have eternal life with him in heaven. He did not create, create us for anything other than eternity with him in heaven, and that's what he desires. The Bible says not one person should perish. Well, some people say this, and they think this, and I've heard all of these things. God doesn't care about me, or maybe... I'm too far gone for God to care about me. I've done too much. I'm too far away from God. There's no way that he can forgive me. There's no way that he would turn to me. There's no way that I can reach him. Let me tell you again, I'll tell you again, you're never too far away from God for an opportunity of repentance. 2 Timothy 3.9 says this, The Lord does not delay his promise. And as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. And I use this analogy. You will reach up as high as you can reach and God will reach down the rest of the way. You ain't got to get on a ladder. You all got to do is just reach up to him and he'll reach down the rest of the way. There's four stages. Jason put these up for us. There's four stages of Jonah's spiritual experience in chapter two. Looking at chapter two alone, these four steps and stages are things that we're going to work through this morning. One, he prayed for God's help. Nothing wrong with that. We've already prayed this morning. I've already prayed twice before, three times before the services started just for this service alone. But he prayed for God's help because we need God's help. We need God's guidance. We need God's direction. He, Jonah prayed for God's help. He accepted the discipline that God gave him. Because discipline is for correction. Discipline is for guidance. And that's what we're going to look at just a little bit further. Three, he trusted the promises of God. Let me tell you something. God's promises are 100% accurate. He's fulfilled every one of them. He's gave us a lot of promises that have yet to come. But yet, based on the fact that every promise he's given us to this point has been 100% accurate, we can anticipate and account and rest assured that everyone that's coming is going to be 100% accurate as well. And then finally, he yielded to the will of God. He changed his mind. He went back to, God, your plan is better than my plan. My plan was was not even something we should have even considered. It's your plan. Let me tell you something. The direction of this church is God's plan. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. It's his plan. Amen? 
That's where we're going with this direction. Jonah 2.1. Now we know in 2.1, verse 2, it tells us that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Now I'm telling you, that ain't the first time Jonah was praying. I can promise you that. When he went over the boat, I can assure you he was praying at that point as well. He's, it says in the scripture, as he's traveling down into the sea as the billows are coming over him, as he's heading toward the, the foundations of the mountains, you can see that he's praying. But it says in verse 2, 1, Jonah prayed from the belly of the big fish. Now, I would think pretty much that's about the only thing you could do if you're sitting inside the belly of a fish. Amen? Huh? I've never seen the inside of a big fish. Now, I've, I've been fishing, obviously caught some fish, dressed some fish, so I know what that looks like. But I've never seen the inside of a big fish. But I suspect it's dark. I suspect it's damp. And I suspect, suspect it's a pretty difficult place to be if you're still breathing and alive. Amen? I don't expect that there would be any comfort in this situation. Now, here's my thought. You might get the picture in your mind that Jonah's just sitting inside this big fish. And he's, think, he's got his thinking cap on. Well, you know, all the, all the Bible stories just showed Jonah sitting in there, right? All the pictures of him. You think he's just sitting in there with his thinking cap on, thinking about what's going on? Let me tell you something. I don't get that picture at all. God provided Jonah with an ideal time of reflection of what had taken place over the last several days. Now, from God telling Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, I'm thinking that, that Jonah's inside the belly of this fish, and he's thinking about all these encounters that have just taken place. From, from God saying, I want you to go to Nineveh to preach to, to all these criminals, all these evil people. I want you to, to, to go and see them. You, Jonah's probably thinking, man, they're going to kill me the minute I step in the gate. I'm not going to be able to do anything, but I can see that, that Jonah's reflecting on all this. Jonah heading down to catch the boat to Tarsus. Jonah being thrown over into the sea and the sea engulfed around him and eventually sitting inside or perhaps laying face down inside the belly of this well or this big fish. I the Bible doesn't say that there was a surplus amount of room in there. I mean, he might have been the only thing in there. He might have been laying face down inside of that. There might have been seaweed still wrapped around his head. I don't have a clue, but, but that's just a part of the understanding of this. I wonder if Jonah even truly knew where he was at. Man, he was going down in the, in, the, uh, in the ocean. You know, he's going down in the ocean. I suspect that he remembered being thrown into the water and the seaweed wrapping around his head because he makes note about that, sinking to the bottom of where the mountains are formed. And then all of a sudden, he's in this dark, damp place, but yet he's able to breathe. He's still alive, and he's still able to function to a certain degree, but yet he may not have known where he was at. And I'm pretty sure he's reflecting on the actions that he's taken, that God is still in control, that God will reveal himself to him when it's time, but that God has a plan for his life. Pretty easy to say that God set him down and got his attention. Amen. It was an attention getter. He got to set him down. Sometimes God has to do that with each of us. In spite of the fact that Jonah prayed, he still wasn't happy with the will of God. Now here's something we need to think about. And there's a reason for this. He still wasn't quite happy with the will of God. He wasn't really happy with it. Chapter 1, he was afraid of the will of God and he rebelled against it. But now he wanted God's will simply because it's the only way to get out of his situation. When he's inside the belly of the fish, there's no other options. Nothing else is going to save him. Nothing else is going to help him other than the will of God. Like many people today, Jonah saw the will of God as something to turn to in an emergency. Do you ever know people like that? We turn to God when there's an emergency, when there's a stressful situation. But, but the other six days of the week, we didn't see him. 
It's amazing how Jonah used the same thing, not do something every single day. Let me tell you something. We need to be in the Word every day. If you want to combat Satan, you've got to be in the Word every day. That's the way Jesus showed us. He taught us. He showed us we've got to have the Scripture. We need to memorize the Scripture. We need to be in the Word so that when Satan attacks us, we have a defense against him. It's good for God's people to remember what it's, what it's like to be lost and without hope. And we never want to forget those that are lost. Just like I said, we add those to the prayer list. I want you to think about somebody that's lost, somebody that's without hope, somebody that doesn't know where they're going to spend eternity. We want to make sure that we realize where they are, how they are, how easy it is for us to grow hardened towards the sinners and lose our compassion for the lost. Y'all with me? God dropped Jonah into the depths of the sea he created. God created the heavens, the earth, the seas, the water, the wind, the rain. And God sent Jonah over into it. He was reminding Jonah of the people of Nineveh and the struggle that they were in, their sinful condition. The people of Nineveh were helpless and hopeless. This is something we'll look at. These people are sinful people. They don't know God. They're helpless and they're hopeless because they didn't know God. The difference between Jonah and the people of Nineveh is the fact that Jonah was helpless sitting inside the belly of the fish, but he was not hopeless. There's a completely difference in that. He knew Jehovah God and he did what God was capable of doing because he would have been in fellowship with God. To think that God is so great that he can hear the cries of millions and millions of people and yet deal with each one of them individually. It, it, of everybody that's in this room right here, God knows you personally and he can deal with you individually. A parent has two or three children and can't meet all their needs all at the same time. And if you've got more than two or three, it's even more difficult. But a parent has two or three kids, can't meet all those at, at the different same time. There has to be some kind of organizational structure in meeting each of these needs. A parent's time has to be divided among their children. You say, well, well I've I got to spend time with this one. I've got to spend time with this one. Well, that's all important. Uh, children need one-on-one time with their parents. When Patty and I visit our grandchildren, we make it a point that we spend one-on-one time with each one of those grandchildren. One gets a 30-minute session with me. One gets a 30-minute session with her. We, we rotate it around, but it's all very important. We enjoy our time together all together, but especially when we have that individual one-on-one time that is focused on that one individual. That's why we have to divide our time. God is able to provide for all his children at the same time, no matter where they are, no matter what struggle they're in, and whatever their needs may be. Amen? The sailors didn't throw Jonah over into the, the water. Physically they did, but God is the one that threw him over there. I mean, he knew it. God's the one that put him over there. Jonah 2, 3 says, When you threw me into the depths, into the hearts of the seas, the current overcame me, all of your breakers and your billows swept over me. He didn't say when the sailors threw me over there. He acknowledged the fact that God was the reason he went overboard into the water. When Jonah said these words, he was acknowledging that God was the one disciplining him, and he deserved it. I mean, discipline's a hard thing. But he deserved it. How we respond to discipline determines how much benefit we get from it. You can probably relate to the fact that when you were disciplined in the past, and a lot of this was many years ago, it was for the sole purpose of preventing you from doing the same thing over again. Amen? You don't want to do that again. 
All right, because there's a consequence that comes with it. All right, it was preventing you from doing the same thing over again. Or when you think about it, it was the purpose of the discipline. Discipline is for correction. It's for something that we should not be repeated, or perhaps it's the consequence of doing something that shouldn't be done again or done in the first place. Discipline is for the believer. It's just like exercise and training is for the athlete. When you think about it, God disciplines his children. God discipline enables us to run the race with endurance and reach the goal that he has for us. If you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the writer writes this, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. It's how we get discipline. It's how we get guidance if we run the race of endurance. If you look at the apostle Paul's writings in Philippians three fourteen, he says, I press on toward the goal. I press on toward the goal. We run the race with endurance. The fact that God disciplined Jonah is proof that he was truly a child of God because God only disciplines his children. You know, parents only discipline their children the way that they should. Up until this point, in this particular event in Jonah's life, he was going in one direction, and that direction was downward. We talked about that last week. The only way out of God's will is a downward direction. The fact that he was going in that direction since the minute he rebelled against God planned for his life. The moment that God told him that he wanted him to go to Nineveh to preach the message of repentance, he had been rebelling against that. You recall in Jonah 1, how yeah, you revealed to us that he went down to Joppa. He went down to the lower parts of the ship. He went down in the sea, and at some point this fish met up with him, and he went down into the belly of the fish. When you turn your back on God, that's the only direction of travel there is. It's downward. God doesn't want you traveling downward. That's the only direction of travel when you're out of his will, when you turn your back on him. Jonah couldn't save himself. Nobody on this earth could save him either. Only God could change the path that he was on. Jonah 2.9, this is very important. Jonah says this, salvation belongs to the Lord. And Jonah's quoting Psalm 3.8. When he makes this statement, if you go back to Psalm 3, it says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessings be on your people. Salvation comes from God alone, and it's the central theme in the whole book of the Bible. Salvation from Genesis to Revelation is what, what the theme of the Bible is all about. It's a story about God, but the theme is on salvation. Memorizing Scripture and being able to recall it and quote Scripture during difficult situations, gave Jonah the light and the darkness that he needed because he was in some pretty dark trials inside the belly of this fish and hope that seemed hopeless in a situation that seemed hopeless. Church, let me reinforce something with you this morning. Jonah's situation is an example for us to take a serious look at, and we want to study it and look at it because it's an example of something that we should not do. He gave us an example of something that we should not do. Jonah's situation is an example. Seriously, take a look at it. It provides us an example of how responding or not responding to the will of God affects our lives. God disciplines his children. But let me tell you something. God never turns his back on his children. Amen. He might discipline them, and it might not be comfortable. It might be a little difficult, but he never turns his back on his children. Jonah's actions reveal what could happen when we're out of the will of God. But when we serve God, we serve the God of a second chance. And he desires that not one person should perish. God loves us, man. He loves us so much that he's willing to send his son to die on the cross for us. John three sixteen says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish. That's a sweet verse of scripture. It's probably the most well-known verse of scripture in the Bible. Everybody knows it. Not everybody understands it. 
But God sent his son because of the love that he has for us. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you've been saved, not of yourself, it's a gift of God. You can't do anything to save yourself. Man is a sinner, we needed a savior. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all born with sinful nature. From the fall of the man, we all inherited sinful nature from that moment on. We're all part of that, that plan. Sin creates a separation between us and God. God can't get to us. We can't get to him because of sin. He had to create something, send something, divine something, so that we would have eternal life with him. Jesus Christ is that solution that came and solved that problem for us. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's one of the sweetest verses of Scripture in the Bible. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You're never too far from God. If you reach out to him, he'll reach out to you. Friends, when our time on this earth is over... Our time on this earth is over. We're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And eternity is too long to be wrong. We're either going to spend eternity completely separated from God in hell. Completely separated because there is no life and there's no God in hell. Or we're going to spend eternity with life in heaven with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. The decision you make on this world determines that eternal destination. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. I mean, God didn't make it hard. He made it easy. He said, all you got to do is repent. A message of repentance is change your ways. Let me be in control. Let me lead you from this point on. That's what he wants. Turn it over to him. Let him be the Lord of your life. Invite him into your heart and make him the Lord of your life. And that, that's all he's asking for. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Maybe you don't know this Jesus I've been talking about. Maybe you don't know this God that I've been talking about. But you need to know him. Let me encourage you to know him. All he wants you to do is make the first step, and he'll do the rest. The Holy Spirit's waiting for you. And in a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. Let me tell you something. I tell you this every week, too. This is not just something we tack on the end of the service. This is a time for you to reflect on your life. Your, your situation and your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have one, enhance it. If you don't have one, let me encourage you to find him because he's seeking you. He's seeking you and he wants to have a relationship with you. In a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. I'll be down front. If you want to know more about Jesus or you want to turn it over to Jesus, this is a great time to do it. Don't let this day go away without making it right with the Lord. Father God, I just come before you this morning. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the power that's in your word. And God, I thank you for the examples that are in your word. And Father, I pray if one person in the sound of my voice does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they would turn it over to you. God, for others in our congregation, God, I just pray that you would let the power of the Holy Spirit just move among us. Let us feel your presence. And God, let him work in our lives. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.